You're listening to Financial Insights, a podcast that helps investors through the difficult maze of financial planning and saving for retirement. I'm Brian Ullman, and I'm a financial advisor and certified financial planner at Ford Financial Group. And together with some guests and other advisors at my firm, we're talking about the issues and questions relating to finance that face our clients every day. Hey, gang, it's been a while, hasn't it? I know we did the casual Friday um, posting here recently, but we haven't had a chance to chat lately. Just you and me, right? It's been a minute. And so I'm going to give you a two for one today. We're going to be talking bonds first, and we'll be talking stocks next. And I know you think, okay, well, stocks and bonds, yeah, we talk about this all the time. And yes, that's true, in addition to inflation and everything like that. But we are really kind of at this fork in the road where we have started to rebound from the depths of the correction we were in here just even a few weeks ago with prospects for... Uh, grow. I, I think some more clarity on interest rates from the Federal Reserve, perhaps some headway on finding some sort of ceasefire in Eastern Europe, and hopefully some de-escalation there. Uh, some and as as I think we get into the new quarter of the year, we get into spring, and the weather starts to warm up, and yeah, the selling kind of peters out, and we move back in the right direction. Although it's unclear at this point how long this will last. It's a midterm election year. Lord knows another crisis is going to crisis, pretend crisis or real or imagined is going to pop up here. But let's talk more specifically rather than just kind of in broad strokes about what's going on with stocks and bonds and start first with bonds because core fixed income returns, which are probably what you think of when you think of bonds which are the, the supposed to be the anchor of your portfolio that keeps you from getting whipped around. Not the kind of anchor that drags you underwater, but that's kind of what's going on here because fixed income returns are off to one of the worst starts to a year ever. And this is coming off the heels of a pretty bad year last year, right? With fixed income or bond markets quickly repricing the prospects of accelerated Fed rate hikes this year, yields across the U.S. Treasury curve have moved higher, which actually puts downward pressure on bond prices across most fixed income sectors. Now, one of the positive characteristics of many fixed income investments is that we have a fairly good idea of what to expect out of prospective fixed income returns, and that is the starting yields. That's what tells us kind of what future returns may be here. Absent defaults, starting yields really represent the best expectation for future returns, regardless of what interest rates do in the interim. So I'll post to one of the LPL charts of the day. You can see after broad-based sell-offs, bonds have historically bounced back because starting yields and future, thus future returns, become more attractive to investors. So it's certainly been a rough start to the year for core fixed income investors, but higher yields mean there's now an opportunity to invest at better valuations, which might actually mean future returns for bonds have actually improved. An important point about negative the negative returns we're seeing right now and in this year is that yields are moving higher because of the expectations of higher short-term interest rates and not an increase in credit risk. Right, the riskiness—you're not having to be uh, rewarded for riskier or compensated for riskier investing here—and this is a huge distinction because higher credit and default risks could represent 
permanent impair, uh, impairments of capital. That is, if you buy and hold a fixed income investment, the short-term volatility you experience, experience due to changing interest rate expectations is just volatility. It has very little bearing on the actual total return if you hold that bond to maturity or if you held it to the average maturity of a portfolio of bonds. Moreover, if you consider the historical returns of the Bloomberg Aggregate Bond Index, the overwhelming majority of returns came from the coupon in on the income from it, not actually the price returns, which is generally the opposite of equity or stock investment. So for example, over the last five years, the, the Aggregate Bond Index returned tw- a little bit more than 12.5% on a cumulative basis. Now of that, the price volatility only detracted by less than a percent, 0.75%, three quarters of a percent over the entire five years, which actually includes this year as well. Coupon and principal payments are much more important to fixed income than price volatility. So with yields moving higher recently in most fixed income markets, future returns for fixed income investors have likely improved. So we're seeing increasing investment opportunities in a number of shorter maturity securities since yields on the shorter maturity, the short-end securities have moved up the most. And such as short maturity investment-grade corporates, treasury and treasury securities, lower-rated corporate debt. And so there's no guarantee that yields can't go higher. And at current levels, which are above pre-COVID levels in most markets, valuations for many fixed-income investments are actually starting to kind of look interesting again after being maybe a bit too high previously. So bonds are an interesting thing. I I think people are even surprised to realize that you can actually lose money on bonds. Bonds are an investment and they can go up and they can go down. But what's important is the interest payments, probably more than the price action on bonds. And that is going higher. So it's not all bad news for bond investors. Do you feel better about the bonds in your portfolio? Do you have a lot of bonds in your portfolio? Do you know? It's worth talking to your advisor to find out maybe more specifically about your mix of stocks and bonds and whether or not this bond discussion applies to you. So with the bond part of this discussion, this podcast episode out of the way, let's move on to stocks because the stocks stocks have had a rough start to the year, although I will say Stocks have improved here over the last two weeks. In fact, the end of this week, on the uh, at, at the end of March 25th, stocks are actually higher. The S&P 500, I should say, is higher now two weeks in a row. The S&P was up a little bit more than a percent and a half this past week, did really well last week. NASDAQ is recovering kind of across the board. We're seeing some recovery, which is encouraging that we're not slipping and sliding towards the end of the quarter. But one of the ways that stocks can improve is through multiple expansion. And we're going to get into that here right now. So when I say that stocks have improved here in the last two weeks, I really mean it. We we're talking about stocks, the fact that stocks now are down only about 6% from the record highs in January. When I say January, it's like January 4th. But we're only after all of this, war in Eastern Europe and interest rates and inflation, all this stuff down only about 6% from the high, that's that's not too bad. But while it's not a cause for celebration, but it's not too big of a hole to dig out of when we're kind of considering all the things that have gone on. I think it's fair to say the stocks have been pretty resilient in the face of all the challenges that we've all faced here over the last three months. So why haven't stocks fared worse? Well, 
there are two ways stocks can rise. Either more earnings, a company has better earnings, or higher valuations, meaning investors are willing to pay a higher multiple on earnings. They're willing to pay more for the stock. This year, it's been all about earnings, but you don't have to look any further than interest rates to see why. Higher interest rates tend to correspond to lower valuations. We've got another chart I'll post here to the, on this episode. It actually plots 60 years of data comparing the S&P 500's price-to-earnings ratio relative to 10-year treasury yields. And to date, the S&P 500 index to earnings ratio based on consensus earning estimates for the next 12 months has fallen from 22 times earnings to 19 times earnings as the 10-year U.S. Treasury yield has actually risen by about 80 basis points or 0.8%. Meanwhile, the consensus estimate for S&P 500 earnings per share has risen by about 2% to over over $227 a share above what is our current $220 estimate. So clearly the market hasn't forgotten about the relationship between interest rates and stock valuations. With rates higher, not to mention more inflation, the path for the S&P 500 to return to prior high valuations is getting tougher. So looking ahead, I think we see opportunities for stocks to break out to new highs maybe later this year on a combination of some combination of earnings gains and some recovery in valuations. But inflation is going to be a key determinant on both of those fronts. Corporate America must continue to manage cost cost pressures from inflation effectively, while markets must see light at the end of the tunnel of this inflation tunnel that we're dealing with. On earnings, besides inflation, companies are dealing with slower economic growth, particularly in Europe, as you might imagine. COVID-19-related supply chain disruptions are far from being over. And at the same time, Wall Street earnings estimates continue to hold up well, and companies are generally enjoying pricing power, at least for now. So bottom line here with stocks, we anticipate a combination of some recovery in valuations and solid mid-to-high single-digit earnings gains from corporate America that'll get stocks back to those record highs over the next quarter or two. So we're talking about three to six months. That optimism, though, rests on our belief that interest rates are going to soon stabilize and inflation will eventually peak here before, before too long. But no doubt, the path forward for stocks to move higher has gotten tougher as these valuations have gotten lower. And it's going to be all about earnings as we finish out these next couple, next handful of months. So some interesting thoughts, I think, on bonds. And even though things have been bad for bonds, may not be as bad as we go forward into the future, as you might think. And for stocks, even though we've been getting better, the road higher is going to be a long road. And it's not going to happen overnight, even though we've got this nice, decent relief from the correction here of the last two two weeks. It's going to be a few months before we reach those January 4th highs. So I'm going to leave it there. I hope you found this helpful. As always, uh, if you have questions, email us at info at Ford FG. I promise I won't take so long for the next podcast episode. I look forward to talking to you in the next one. The advisors with Ford Financial Group are registered representatives with and securities are offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA, and SIPC. Investment advice is offered through Ford Financial Group, a registered investment advisor and a separate entity from LPL. The opinions voiced in this material are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. 
All performance referenced is historical and is no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. Stock investing involves risk, including loss of principal. No strategy assures success or protects against loss. The economic forecasts set forth in this podcast may not develop as predicted. Ford Financial Group and LPL Financial do not provide tax or legal advice or services. This information is not intended as a solicitation or an offer to buy or sell any security referred to herein.